It's Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 27. And Christopher's going to read on to the end of the chapter. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. A rebellious nation. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a breed of a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten any more? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and bruises and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Your country is desolate. Your city is burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals, I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for for the mouth of the Lord. See how faithful the city has become a prosti- how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers, 
Your silver has become dross. Your choice, choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore the Lord, the Lord, therefore the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the mighty one of Israel declares, Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself of my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. I will restore your leaders as in days of old, your rulers as at the beginning. Afterwards, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with righteousness. Rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tinder, and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be ever acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. Amen. Oh, Isaiah! (laughs) That was a reading and a half, wasn't it? Well done, Anita and Christopher. Um... Yeah, it's good sometimes to read a whole chunk of scripture um, like that in church. Often with the lectionary, we're, we're sort of reduced down to a slightly smaller reading, but sometimes it's good to hear uh, a, a length of scripture like that. Um, and as I said, we begin this morning a series uh, over the next couple of weeks um, on the book of Isaiah and uh, just picking out some of the things that Isaiah is all about and we're going to follow him for a little bit through Advent. Uh, and so, as I said, you know, this is Advent Sunday, and Isaiah is a fantastic book uh, to think about throughout Advent. As you can hear, it's not an easy book. Um, it challenges us to think about our faith and the outworking of it, what it actually means. Um, and again, as you heard, Isaiah is quite often heard uh, to say some pretty hard things to the people of God, and he doesn't pull his punches. It's a profoundly political book, uh, just as Advent reminds us uh, that the Christian faith is profoundly political. Uh, I don't mean party political in that way, but political in that Advent reminds us that we have a king who is coming. Um, a new king, a king who upsets the status quo. In Jesus' time, he came to upset the government of Rome, which kept the poor um, oppressed and without a voice, and did it by violence. Uh, Jesus came to say, blessed are the poor, which is a profoundly political statement 
in a world where the poor are the bottom of the pile. And Isaiah calls the people of God to return to their political calling of building a new kingdom of justice and flourishing. So this isn't a cosy Advent preaching series, um, but it is true to what Advent is all about, waiting for the coming king and his kingdom. And there is also in Isaiah, you'll be pleased to hear, at great comfort, even amongst some of those harsh uh, words that he has for God's people. So Isaiah is one of the great prophets of Israel. In the Hebrew scriptures, that's the Old Testament part of the Bible, uh, there are different types of writing. And Isaiah is part of the prophetic writings Uh, He's known as a major prophet, along with Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And in scripture, we also have minor prophets, people like Hosea and Amos. Um, And they're major and minor because of the length of the prophecies, not because of the content. Isaiah is no more important than Amos. Um, But we have these major and minor prophets in scripture. The book of Isaiah is long thought to be one of the greatest works of literature in scripture. And over the 66 chapters of the book, there are thought to be perhaps three Isaiahs, or three authors, um, taking us through different chapters in Israel's history and over a long period of time. The book contains poetic visions and, as you've heard, scathing indictments, as well as words of comfort to an unfaithful people. Um, Prophecy in Scripture, it's important to say, is not some form of Christianized, you know, crystal gazing um, or horoscope. God's prophets are those who understand, or back then, who understood at a deep level what the Spirit of God was doing at that time and in that place. And based on what the response of God's people was um, to what God's Spirit was doing, what the consequences were going to be. The prophets were those um, who made connections between the work of God in the past and in the present and who proclaimed to the people of God the trajectory that they and the world around them was on. So our reading in Isaiah chapter 1, um, you can see that Isaiah is, you know, really churned up and he's socking it to the people of God. And this is because at this point, um, they are a divided people. And the people of Israel have split into two factions. You have the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Isaiah is essentially the prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. The southern kingdom were those who were supposed to have remained loyal 
uh, to the line of King David, their great king. And they were supposedly those who should be following the God that King David followed faithfully. And yet, they were constantly um, swayed by the power and allure of the kingdoms around them, particularly the great nation of Assyria, who was very powerful um, and had uh, many, you know, looked very glittering and um, important from the place of the southern kingdom. So they began to behave not as those who followed the God who had brought them up out of Egypt, uh, the God who had heard their cries as slaves, um, but rather as those who kept slaves and made them cry. And Isaiah is the prophet who is raised up by God to tell them, if they continue in this way, it is not going to go well. For them. The people of God have chosen an offering to God which is not acceptable. They have chosen to continue their rituals and their festivals and their sacrifices. Uh, this is the structural stuff of religion, not bad in itself, but they've forgotten what the point is. They've forgotten that the religion part, the ritual part, is only there to serve the purposes of God and nothing more. They're not good in themselves. They're only good because they're the vehicle through which uh, God can be worshipped and God's purposes and mission can be worked out. And so the Lord says in Isaiah 1, When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Offering incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. The offering that's coming from the kingdom of Judah is injustice, violence, and oppression, where it should be justice, peace, and flourishing. And the consequences of this choice, says Isaiah, is that your choice is honored by God. The kingdom of Judah chose to live within a framework of injustice because they thought it worked for them. And you know, justice is a hard road to walk. You have to care about those who may not deserve it. Not just even those who you think may not deserve it, but probably do. But even those who may not deserve it in our line of thinking. You may not receive all you want or desire. And for the people of the southern kingdom, God let them make that choice because it worked for them. But it's only short term because the truth is that injustice doesn't show any loyalty to anybody. And the kingdom of Judah found themselves on the sharp end of oppression themselves. God gave them over to their choice. 
And so they, in the end, become besieged by the nations around them. And in the end, find themselves in captivity in Babylon, the most brutal of nations. It reminds me of that famous uh, statement by Martin Niemöller, who was a pastor in Germany when Hitler rose to power. So you'll probably have heard this before, but it reminded me of the position that God's people found themselves in, in Babylon. He said, first they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Uh, Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. The people of God in Israel, and often in Jesus' time as well, quite often chose to be those who didn't pay attention, those who chose to look the other way when injustice was happening all around them. But it didn't mean that they were going to escape. Uh, Whether it was into captivity in Babylon or continued Roman oppression in Jerusalem for Jesus' time, choosing injustice or even apathy in the face of injustice meant that they were enslaving themselves. So our question in all of this and in Advent, what should we be paying attention to? Where is God's spirit at work in us and in our community? Because actually, although it's harsh, you know, Isaiah is, you know, very... Um, hyperbolic in his language, um, Isaiah's message is actually profoundly hopeful. It's not hopeless at all, because there's always the potential to return to God's call or to continue in God's call. And at this time of Advent, it is that moment to kind of, you know, seek within ourselves, what is God calling us to? Is there a continued call? Is there a fresh call into different things? And it calls us to lift our eyes, you know, beyond ourselves, to see outside in the world, what is God asking of us? So what is the good thing Uh, that we are being called to do in our context? How are we going to, as it said, learn to do good? Hopefully we are learning. It's a continuing learning. Learning more and more to do that good. And what is the good uh, that Isaiah says is good? Um, It's to seek justice, to rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. As we move towards the story of Christmas through Advent, we cannot help really but see a refugee, homeless, teenage mother and a child born in a barn. And these images, I think, nowadays are not so far from us. 
as perhaps they were a little while ago. We can imagine those scenes in today's landscape. As a community, uh, we're called again and again to remind ourselves and to be called into that job of staring into the heart of injustice and doing the hard work of exposing its power. Well, exposing it and breaking its power, in fact. Um, All that we do here at St. Michael's, and as you come to worship God and we come to be together here, it's not as lovely as we are to perpetuate St. Michael's in that way. You know, doing the, the Christmas cracker, inviting people in, going out into the world and proclaiming who Jesus is, is not about us. We're here no more and no less to work uh, for the building of God's kingdom on earth. To bring that justice that is so needed in our world. And we are called to a particular place. We're here in Harrow. So this is where we have to do it. This is the place where God has put us. And so I believe in St. Mike's and in Harrow, there are lots of ways in which to do that. Uh, There's specific things to pray for, and there's specific practical things that you can do and be involved in um, if you would like to. So as we move through Advent and towards Christmas, hold these words from Isaiah um, in your hearts. Uh, not as a um, not as the harsh indictment that uh, that he's giving to the people of the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, but just as a call uh, to remind yourself uh, what it means to learn to do good, uh, to follow God, uh, to welcome that new kingdom that's coming, the kingdom which is upside down and topsy turvy, and where the first will be last and the last will be first. What does that mean for us here in this particular place? How do we ground it in the local so that it's not just a sort of airy-fairy concept? How do we um, receive more of who God is through that calling? And if you do feel that God is stirring something up in you um, from what you've been hearing from Isaiah this morning... Uh, then do come and do something about it. You know, talk to me. We can, we can find things, uh, you know, and work together, working out what God is calling you to do at this time and in this place. So, loving God, we thank you for your uh, words to us from Isaiah. We thank you uh, that they are a challenge, but they are also a comfort. There is always the potential to be drawn more and more into relationship with you. Help us with waiting uh, faithful hearts to be asking you again what your call for us is as individuals and as a community together. Thank you for your merciful love. Thank you that 
uh, even um, when we can be unfaithful ourselves, that you are still there calling us on. And thank you uh, that you call us good and faithful servants uh, when we are walking in your purposes. Thank you that we are all of those things mixed up together and that you are the faithful God who never leaves us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.